Good morning, everyone. Can you all hear me on the back row? I, I know it's a long ways back there. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we got something in that bag there. We can just pass that out. So this is kind of a, a cozy group, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We could have met in a home today, couldn't we? Yeah, we we still have, had our distance. We just do a repeat message next week. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father. Lord, that you've, you've so formed us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And Father, that you've given us a tongue and lips that can praise you, a heart that can be submitted and adore you. We just ask, Father, that even now you would begin to open up our eyes and our minds and our hearts to what you would share with us today in Jesus' name. I have to appreciate Mary uh, introducing the message by talking about the ways. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about a way of God, uh, at least one that I saw reading through the scriptures. But um, I am a little bit slow to move on from topics. And so, you know, we've had this... um, uh, this talk uh, in a couple of different sermons about the tree of life and uh, the fact that this path to the tree of life was closed um, once Adam and Eve had disobeyed and there was no longer a way to go to this tree of life and was guarded by the angel. And then Roger also brought up the once that path was closed, that God still gave a, a, a symbol in, in the, one of the articles of the tabernacle being the candlestick, which I had not put that together, so it was really encouraging to me to see that this thing, this thing was still on the Lord's heart. Um, but, you know, the closing of the path to the tree of life uh, closed it to everyone. But then, then God, uh, in His great grace and mercy, He makes this one article for the, the, the temple called the the candlestick, and you know, it was Roger was telling us it was it was hammered out of a 70, 75 pounds of gold, something like that. It was a big chunk of gold, uh, made in one piece, um, and it it took the shape in a sense of a tree, and it represented the 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 light of the world which was yet to come. Uh, but even even this symbol, there was a limited approach to it was in the holy place, and only the priests could be the ones that would approach it. So even with the symbol, there was a limit to uh, coming into this path to the, king, to, the, to the tree of life. And, but, you know, the other thing that I was thinking is that God has a way. He has a way that He would like for us to live. There's, there's God's way, and then there, unfortunately, are many other ways that the w- wisdom of man chooses. Um, sometimes that way is called a path. Uh, in this one verse in Jeremiah six sixteen, it says this: "Thus says the Lord: Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Not just ask, but walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls." Um, we sang a song this morning about souls, how the Lord redeems souls. Uh, 
But they said, they being all of us, at some point in our life, we will not walk in it. So there's this path, there's a way, and that that way leads to life if it's heated, and it'll eventually lead to the tree of life. Um, There are some ideas that are given in the Psalms and the Proverbs about this path, so let me read just three. Psalm 1611, you, speaking of God, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Proverbs 10.17 He is on the path of life who heeds instruction. But he who ignores reproof goes astray. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Anybody ever had that? Does it work in your life? Works in my life. When I heed instruction, um, things go a little bit better than when I don't. Proverbs fifteen twenty four, The path of life leads upward for the wise that he may keep away from Sheol below. I remember uh, hearing a message by one pastor. I, I, actually, I think it was Tim Keller, and I'm... I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the quote, but he said, there's nothing in the Bible that's there for just information. (laughs) But it has a value for living life. And then when you add to that this particular promise out of Hebrews 11, which we're all familiar with, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. That He is what? That He is God. That He's the only true God. And that He is a rewarder for those who seek Him. So, what is the reward? The reward is that you will find Him. But actually, it works the other way around. He finds us. In every case, He finds us. Um... Psalm 145.17 says this, speaking of God's ways, the Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind, not severe, He's kind in all His deeds. But who can know His ways? What is Isaiah? Do you, do you remember the, the verse out of Isaiah about His ways? What, is, what does He say? For my thoughts are not Your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But does he want it to be that way? I don't think so. I think he wants to reveal his thoughts and his ways. That's why he sent his spirit, you know. So... I was reading through the first part of Deuteronomy again. This is a book that um, actually Greg has spoken out of last year. A number of, of chapters he went through and exegeted this particular, um, these particular verses. Um, and as I was just reading it again, I, I, I had a, one phrase that kind of just jumped out at me, and that's the, the phrase that uh, I want to speak about. So we've had a really long introduction here to the message the message is kind of short. It's a one-point sermon. 
There's only one point. There's one point, so hopefully we can remember it. That's right. Well, you're going to you're going to repeat it, so you you will remember it. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of times uh, a speaker will say uh, they just lead up to this point. Just hold your attention. I'm getting to, and here is what this is all about. But you know, um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and give the point right up front. Then you can just. Take off with it if you want to, or you can continue listening. So I'm just going to leave that up to you. And the point is this. It's out of Deuteronomy 6. He brought us out from there to bring us in. Can you all say that? He brought us out from there to bring us in. That's one of the ways of God. Um, And it just struck me. That is so obvious. That can't be a higher way. Than I would think, but it is. When you're in the middle of that moving from this place to that place, you're not thinking about the ways of God. You're thinking about just the difficulties and the transition that you're going through. He brought us. He brought us out of there to bring us in, didn't he? Did he bring us out there to bring us in? There's a corollary to that. Well, there's another ways, but you, you said just give half the sermon. So <laughs> this is the first half. Point two will be another message. Out of chapter 8. You'll see if you can find that. It's in chapter 8. He loves you. He loves you. Say it again. I have memorized it yet. I love you. He brought us out from there. He brought us out from there. To bring us in. You know, it struck me that Moses, um, you know, in the Psalms it says, God showed his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people. And so the people saw all the acts of, of God. All the plagues, all the rescue, they saw all that. But Moses knew his ways. And so we're going to look at that. I was reading this and I thought, wow, he's telling the Israelites this second chance they're getting ready to go into the promised land in Deuteronomy. He's recounting the history of, of what they've walked through as a generation. These are the, the little kids that have now grown up. They, they've walked through this. And um, as he recounts this thing, it's like he's not talking about the plagues and the this and the that. He's, he just summarizes it as the way of God. And we're going to read that in Deuteronomy 6, starting in chapter 20. 6.20. And... Um, See if you could see if you recognize where it is since you know what the point is. <laughs> when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do these testimonies and these statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there 
in order to bring us in. To give us a land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes. To fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God just as he has commanded us. So what was his way? What way did he reveal to Moses? You should have memorized it by now. What is it? He brought us from there to bring us in. You know, if you want to expand it, you can also put to give on the end of it. To give them something. Because God is... He's, in not, he's not in need of anything. He is, he is this. He only gives out. So there is a giving of some type there. So what happened there? The people saw God's deeds or His acts. They saw the plagues. They saw their protection from some of the plagues. They saw their release. They saw their way of escape from the Egyptians as they pursued them. But they they lost sight of all those things. They lost sight of all that when things became difficult. When they were hungry. When they were thirsty. When there were snakes. When there were giants. When the routine was daily. Same food. Same desert. Same walking. They complained. They rebelled. They blamed God. They blamed Moses. Why have you brought us out into the wilderness to die? We want to go back to Egypt. But to Moses, he made known his ways. Moses, though the times were difficult, particularly as a leader, we can ask Bill about that. Times get hard as leading, doesn't it? It gets hard. He never lost sight of the promise and the plan. God revealed to him, this is the way. This is the way I'm going to do it. He didn't lose sight of that. He understood and believed God was bringing them out of there, Egypt, to bring them in, into a promised land that He had promised to His, their, his forefathers a long time ago. He didn't bring them out just so they would be out of Egypt. He doesn't bring us out just to bring us out. He brings us in. One way or another, He's going to bring us in. Sometimes it's a quick, sometimes it's not so quick. And really, it's the overarching purpose of what He's doing. And Moses kept that perspective. It was a thing that gave him strength, it gave him hope, And it gave him the equipping to be faithful and obedient to God through those hard times. You know, it's so easy. Of course, we brought him out to bring them in. I mean, you know, when you're emotionally away from it or when you're on the other side of the story, it's easy to see. But in the midst of it, it's not. I mean, look at Joseph's life. You know, his is a little bit different because... Sometimes things happen to you that have way more to do with just you. It's a God's just got this greater purpose that He used this man for. Um, he brought Joseph out of his nation and his family. 
to bring him into a place of authority and influence to save his nation, to save his people from dying. He brought David out from there, Saul's royal court and Saul's presence, to bring him into a place of authority as the king of Israel. Now, it wasn't just like that, was it? It wasn't just like that. But David held on to the thing that God had told him through Samuel. You're going to be anointed to be king. And he trusted God with that, even in the process of coming out of there to go into that place. Here's one that I happen to see. God brought Paul out of there. Out of what? A structured religious tradition to bring him into what? A newfound life of faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Changed his life. Whole new direction. Whole new purpose. Whole new motive but, but in this new place of life that he had. So, I have two applications here. One's for parents, grandparents. Well, we're still parents. We're still parents, yes. It's just, I wish I had seen this so clearly about 40 years ago. There's a lot of those. It's a lot of those, right? So here's the application. Let's back up to the very first um, verse 20. In the future, when your children ask you, why is it we have these ways that how we should live? Why we have to behave like this? Why we have to think like this? What's the purpose of doing it? Like God says, do it. Why do we do that? More likely the question comes like this. Why do you give me these rules to obey? Why do you expect me to act in a certain way? Why do you make slash train and talk to me about this is the way you're supposed to be? Why do you discipline me when I disobey? Now it's interesting because it says in the future when they ask the why question. It's not the first time you say this is how you're going to do it. This is how this, these are the rules. These are the family rules. The why question comes later when they think or when they're thinking about. And so there's never a why question if you don't do the first part of Deuteronomy six. When you get up and when you lay down and you're going out and you're coming in, you talk about these things. That's what the, the, the Israelites were supposed to do. They were to talk about these things with their children. And when you're talking about it with your children, hopefully you're listening to it yourself. You see. So it was supposed to be part of the conversation. This is, this is what's expected of us. You know, before God. This is what's expected of you before me, your parent. <laughs> and so that has to occur before this why question finally comes at some point in their life. And your answer is not, because I said so. I said it was, which is our family joke, because I hit the table one time to dinner. I said it was, and all this silverware just comes up off the table. So 
that. I did that. Yes, and it, I'm constantly reminded I did that. <laughs> I said it was. That's not the answer. Here's the answer that we should give. Let me find it. Because I've not been real good at this answer sometimes. Um, here's the answer. Where is it? Oh. oh, here we go. Here's the answer. So that it may be well with you. So that it may be well with you. That's why. Now, that's only told... That, that phrase right there is included three times in the chapter, in, in the last half of chapter 5, before they ask why, God has said, here's why you need to obey these commands and these stipulations and these rules so that it will go well for you. Pretty simple, isn't it? You know, it's like, I know... Um, a lot of times, some of these life coaches they'll use this this question when they're when they're trying to move people along from one point to the other, and they're complaining about something, and and, and they'll ask this question: "So how's that working for you?" So sometimes it's like, "I wish I had thought of that question. How's it working for you when you're like that? Is it going well for you? You know?" And I mean, I'm 50 years too late sometimes with. The understanding, right? But you know, I think as parents, you kind of implicitly know this. But it's nice to have a word or a phrase like, "Oh, this is what I'm about. I am really, my heart is desire is to move them out of this place into this place, out of this place of rebellion and disrespect, uh, into a place that will go well for them." Not only in their life here, but the, this, there's this long view, isn't there? You know, your hope for them is that it will go for, well for them, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And so that is, I thought, man, how simple does it get when you've got this perspective? You know, to endure as a parent or a grandparent, you know, when you said, this is really what I'm trying to do, is to move them from here out of this place into this place. Because it's tiring work, isn't it? It's tiring work. <laughs> and so, this thing is not only applicable to kids. Just take this thing and think back in your life or think about this. What was your life like there on the other on the back side of COVID? And we've come through a year of COVID what do you think the purpose of that's for? It's got lots of purposes. I know B- Bill has continually reminded us of, you know, take the plague away, Lord, but not before you've had your purpose. Don't you want it to accomplish in your life the purpose you've had to walk through this? I do. And so, so I've thought about it. It's like, you really want to move me out of the normal Christian life that I've had that I've considered normal you want to move me to a new place, a deeper place, a richer place, a place where it's even better than it, it has been before. And so uh, maybe there's been like uh, one of the things I was thinking of, 
you know, that thing will expose me. What, what am I afraid of about COVID? What is it about this thing that's got me anxious or afraid? You know, maybe it's just that. I'm going to move you out of that place of fear, that thing that triggers fear into a new place of security and trust. You know, but those are things that you have to meditate on your own, on your time. But I want to back up. There's one last thing I'd like to talk about because you can't just forget that verse 25 is not there. And this is how God ends this particular thing. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Obey all the law, and you're righteous. So He... You know, he, he can he even in that verse reveals his ways because um, you come to realize obey all the law, all the time, in every circumstance. And that will be my righteousness. Um, I hadn't arrived with that approach yet. Only the Savior. The way of God is to show you, wow, I'm really tried hard and I didn't do it. I'm in desperate need of another of another way. Another way. You know, we live on this side of the cross, and yet at the same time we have to constantly remind ourselves that obeying the law is not the way to be or become righteous. It's just not. And we want to fall into letting that be a measuring stick for us of, of our righteousness. And we have to constantly um, remind ourselves of that. It's, but the law is good, isn't it? It's absolutely good. And should we obey the law? Should we try to obey the law? Yes. But we obey it out of a love response to what's been done for us that's made us righteous. The work of Jesus Christ. But it's so easy to fall back into the other, the other thing. Um, I'm going to end with one more verse. He brought us out from there to bring us in. See if you can see it. And this, this is the last verse for us to look at. Colossians 1.13 For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He brought us out from there the kingdom of darkness to bring us in kingdom of his beloved son let's pray how gracious you are lord that we've sung about your great your great grace your greatness lord i just ask that you would continue to open our eyes to things in the past that you've brought us out of to bring us into new deeper places of sanctification things present lord and help us to have a mind and a heart to see in things future. But let us not forget, Father, the long view of what You're doing in our lives. 
We bless you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen.